All right, what is up, everybody? We are back. Been a little hiatus since we did the last podcast when the boys were together in Miami, but we are back again with another podcast. We got Robert Millar as well as Big Mike, aka Michael Spinoza, in the house today. We're going to talk about uh, the analogy of kiss or keep it simple, stupid in trading, and something a lot of people overcomplicate. Um, in trading, especially when getting started, they want to be flashy when really you don't want to be flashy in this game. You want to simplify the process and simplify everything as much as possible. So I forget exactly what book I was reading, but this was like 14 years ago, one of the first books I read on trading. And it was a book on technical analysis, which is the study of chart patterns. Um, but he was going over a, a bunch of different indicators and he was talking about uh, you guys should Google this. I just tried to Google it like in 30 seconds. I didn't see what it, what it came up as, but it was called, it was a pattern called the Hound of Baskervilles. And it was some like discrepancy in price action using MACD, which I haven't seen anybody use MACD in many, many years. But it was some weird discrepancy where he was like, this is like the go to secret sauce. It's called the, I call it the Hound of Baskervilles. I don't, I don't know what it is. <laughs> what it was. Uh, But that's something that a lot of people overcomplicate and think when they're getting started trading is that there is going to be some sort of secret indicator that's going to give them the all access pass to trading profits. Uh, I tried to use the great hound of Baskervilles or the haunted hound of Baskervilles. I don't know what the fuck it was called, Uh, but it doesn't work. Uh, There was definitely some instances where it like led to some sort of price action um, but before we were uh, kind of running down of what's going on, Mike was also saying that all indicators are lagging price action things. And so that was something that I definitely had to figure out for myself as a day trader. Um, if you don't know, I didn't make money for my first three years of trading. Um, a lot of that in the beginning was definitely overcomplicating things with too many different indicators trying to figure out what the hell works when realizing that none of it works and you really just kind of focus on a few things uh and then again also most of that was just the not being able to overcome the emotional aspect of trading um so mike why don't you talk about kind of your first experience with indicators and what you thought about them and kind of where you're at today so i think my first like ever introduction to an indicator was a moving average. And this was like before I think I went through the, um, the training and I was like, Oh damn, this is like game changer. You know, I can throw these lines up and I can see if the, you know, the stock's trending or not. And then I remember just adding more and more and then going through the training and realizing, wow, I actually need to keep this shit super simple or I'm probably going to, end up with like 50 indicators. So when I first started, I definitely fell into that trap of like, let me look sophisticated or feel sophisticated. And that led to shitty trading. Um, And then after I was able to go through the training and and learn a select few indicators, like 13 EMA, um, you know, we'll talk about RSI as well. um, You realize there's not much out there that is going to really like, one indicator will not all of a sudden make you a better trader. So I think if you can remove that from your mindset, that's the first step, right? 
is like there's no secret sauce. Like there's no indicator that's going to change me. The only person that can help you is yourself. And how you do that is by um, understanding stocks more as opposed to looking for the, the, the secret or like the shortcut. Yeah. And just as far as like uh, overcomplicating and looking flashy, I'm sure a lot of people have seen the – the meme it's like george bush and or not george bush uh bill gates and uh warren buffett in a picture together or zuckerberg or something and there's like a billion dollars and not a gucci belt in sight so it's like a kind of a different analogy or different way of looking at it and that what you think might be the right decision or what looks like the right image or the opportunity is more so it's just it's fucking simple. You don't need to overcomplicate things and oversimplify things. So I guess we could talk about, um, you know, what we actually use and then we're going to, going to go over why, um, for me, like at first it started, like I was going for the great hound of Baskervilles, just going balls deep in Mac D cause I was looking for that secret sauce. And then I kind of transferred into, okay, how do I find out if this stock is like a good sell or good buy? And I think the first one people go to for that is either Stochastics or RSI. So are you using uh, either of those right now? Um, I use RSI in the daily chart. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't use it intraday. Um, but I barely look at it. Some, like we talked about this before, like everyone asks about RSI. Um, over 70, overbought. Under 30, oversold. You know, if only yeah, and, you're that easy. and you're profitable. <laughs> the thing is, a, a stock with the RSI, it can stay in that oversold, overbought area for, for it'll just stay down there for months. You don't know. So, yeah. what's the point? Yeah. And that's something that if you watch like Foos 4, I think I talk about this in there. It's like you can't, people think like, okay, looking at RSI, it's overbought. It's a good time to sell. But if you find a stock that's actually trending, it'll stay in that over 70 for a long time. And also people yeah. thinking that, oh, hey, I'm going to short this stock. It's overbought. It's over RSI 70. Good time to short this stock. Oh, they can get completely annihilated uh, by trying to use RSI as an indicator as a buy and sell. So, I mean, like, yeah, I have RSI on my, like I was just saying before we started this, like I don't even know why I have RSA on my charts. Like it doesn't make sense because it's like, it's like it looks cool. I was like, yeah, it does look cool. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's tough. It's like, because what's the difference between overbought and momentum or oversold and, you know, downside momentum? There's a very fine line. Like good examples, CODX today. Stock went from a dollar to almost four. So RSI was easily at 70 when it was at three, but it still went to 370. So not perfect. And again, a lagging indicator. Yeah. So you can't use that. So um, like we talk about how trading should always be reactionary based and it should always be an if then statement. So you can't use an indicator because if you're saying, if it does this and I'm going to do this, but if it does do this based on an indicator, you're, it's already lagging from what it could be doing in the future. So I usually try to use mainly just basically like the only things that I care about is price action, volume, and VWAP in the 13 EMA. Uh, but it's all, all my decisions in trading and always have been 
based on if then statements. And it, that's why I fucking hate when people are like, what do you think it's going to do? It's like, I don't fucking know what it's going to do. But if it does do this, I'm going to do this. If it does this, I'm going to do that. And that's what all the decision process making is in trading. It's never, what do you think it's going to do? It's what am I going to do if it does one of these two things? And that's how you have to look at day trading. That's the only way um, to do it. So uh, to I add guess- to that, Bruce, people, people come at you for that type of response. And that's how you should be trading. And this goes back to the disconnect between being sophisticated and KISS. People in chat will always be like, well, if it does that, then what are you going to do this? It needs to be very emotionless. But people get super emotional about stocks when you need to just be completely numb, which is very tough to do. My fucking most annoying and pet peeve in trading is I told you so traders when they say, (laughs) (laughs) I told you so. Like, I forget it was some like earnings play or something, and this guy was, guy was uh, <clears throat> talking shit because I was saying I think it's a bad idea to hold through earnings as a trader because you don't know it's a fifty-fifty chance of you getting screwed or not. And he ended up being right, like like oh, so you like I told you so I th- I was right because the stock went up. And I was like I don't care what it did, but I I'm not going to do it. I'm not making a fifty-fifty trade like that. Like. That's just, yeah, like I think it's a stupid decision. So he did, just went off on this whole rampage about how <laughs> I, to, I told you so, and I was so. Uh, what could he know that anyone else could know to even make an intelligent guess on that? Like, how is but he? That, but this goes back to credit for that. A monkey can make money in trading. Yes. Now do that again and again. <laughs> and again. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. It's just consistency. Can you consistently make that call over the long run? It's not a fucking I told you so today on this one stupid stock. Like, oh my yeah. God, I, I hate it. I told anybody like in the <laughs> chat room before, like if they would like say, start doing any of this, I told you shit, I would immediately kick them. It's like, oh, I remember some of that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, these days people kind of know better. Um, but yeah. Uh, Robert, what kind of uh, like, because for you guys who don't know, Robert's. Uh, kind of the education onboarding guy. So if you're talking to anybody that's once you get started and into our process, uh, Robert's the guy you're going to be talking to. Um, but Robert, like what's the, what do, what do you find common in people coming to learn how to day trade that might be overcomplicating things and how could people that are listening, like how could we simplify that process for them before they even talk to you now, instead of like avoiding all the fluff and, you know, bullshit that you have to hear first and then explain to them. Sure. Um, yeah, definitely. I think most people that come in, um, you know, they don't really have a lot of experience. And so, uh, it's, it's easy to kind of get caught up in all the bells and whistles, the software, the, the tricks and, and all that stuff and the indicators. And yes, most people are just overcomplicating it. I, I do think it's, it is kind of human nature. You, you're, you're getting into this new profession that you're learning and you just want to get into it, learn it, and you can get kind of carried away with certain aspects of it that may not be critical and, and also get getting carried away with them at the wrong time. And so literally, you know, there's new traders coming in that haven't, um, 
watched uh, you know a minute of our training courses and they're already caught up in uh, indicators and this and that and they're setting up this and all that and they have no idea what it means and they don't know the main part is really just price action patterns having a complete strategy um, and kind of sitting back and, and letting things happen instead of uh, but um, mainly I, I don't you know, keep it simple, stupid. You know, I'm not, we're not saying anyone's like stupid. Actually the opposite. I think a lot of people that want to get involved with trading um, are above average intelligence, but you actually, you know, I have a lot of people that I can tell that they're, <laughs> yes, that <laughs> I think this yeah. one's oh, fake. <laughs> I think this one has to be fake, but this is just, <laughs> no, that's definitely fake. <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe not. I mean, they could all be a bunch. I mean, no one's using that, but you see Fibonacci's there. You see a lot of Fibonacci's. Uh, Too many. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, mainly, guys, you know, just almost dumb yourself down a little bit. And you don't have to be super intelligent to do this at all. In fact, I think people that are not super smart do better because they uh, are more reactionary and they're not trying to always analyze and figure stuff out. So just keep it simple. Stupid. Yeah. We were talking about, we were having a, a tongue twister of a time talking about uh, a route, a route analysis. <laughs> oh, that was <laughs> analysis. That was on Analysis. Analysis paralysis. Or is it paralysis by analysis? Either or. But it's like a real thing, especially in trading um, and overcomplicating things. Uh, it is fucking keep it simple. Like there's, yeah. <clears throat> there's a way to do it correctly and you do it. And that's basically about yeah. it <laughs> i think really just one more thing about that is you know yeah learn all the indicators you know we we teach you about the ones that we prefer but we certainly you know as mike was saying don't stare at them all day it's just a little thing that's there that may or may not help you it's not going to give you a real edge um but really just i think experience and watching price action is better and that's only going to really come with time yeah and another thing is uh when you're trying to make a decision in day trading for is this the right time to buy or is this the right time to sell? Is this the right time to short? Is this the right time to cover? The more indicators you are trying to look at, the more distractions you have for actually making the decision right there. Mm -hmm. So wow. the more you That's can simplify the answer to the question of do I buy or sell here by eliminating as much distraction and noise as possible, the much easier it is to make that decision of should I buy or sell here? And a lot of people want to look at their RSI. They got their fucking Hiroshima clouds or whatever the fuck they're called. <laughs> Ishimocho clouds. <laughs> I think I just made up Hiroshima cloud, but I think it's true though. But yeah. It makes it a really complicated process. And that was another thing, like even just looking at Twitter, um, Oh, man. Looking, looking at other people's opinions on a stock, like you're like, oh, oh fuck. Well, he said this. Like I used to try to follow some traders on Twitter. Like they're like, buy here now. Like, shit. Maybe I should. I'm, I'm, I'm long. You're like, fuck. Should I sell? Like, <laughs> so it's like people will make you bias. Like you read yeah. one sentence from someone, and like whatever they said, you're immediately taking that trade. 
because you anchor yourself to whatever they said. It's all mental. That's yeah. Like, I tweeted that yesterday, mental diet. All the information you take in every day, even in chat, you know, there's a lot of people in our chat, but we tell everyone like, you know, don't listen to everyone. Um, if you're going to go off other people's opinions, it's like having a bl being blind and someone's like, yeah, just you're in a car, make a left here. And you're just driving with no eyes. Yeah. It's, it's going to lead to a hard crash and there's zero longevity. The sooner that I was able to stop being like, Hey, I'm going to rely on Foose when I first started, that was like immediately I propelled when I just came into chat every morning. I'm not checking Twitter. I'm not checking chat. I'm seeing what stocks I want. And then you establish your game plan because you can't trade. Imagine 30 people trying to talk to you at once. That's like using too many indicators and, and listening to too many people. It leads to analysis paralysis. Yeah. Um, but as humans, we want to do that because that's how we're wired. We want to be sophisticated. Like the, the, like who said Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg, it's not sexy without a Gucci belt, but it's still a billion dollars in that photo. Yeah. Yeah, there's a new one that's good with uh, Bill Gates waiting in line with like everybody else waiting to get that. a hamburger. He's in like a foreign country too, or something like that. <laughs> what I think it? I saw oh. that too. It's like waiting for a hot dog or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you know, being humble. Um, you know, don't think you're a super genius, and um, you know that'll be your first mistake if you're not humble, and uh, you think you're smarter than everyone else. Go. Yeah. Put your ego in a paper bag and put it outside before you start. There you go. Yeah. If you can like do that. Now, Mike, are, do you use Fibonacci's at all? I do use Fibs. Okay. Um, but again, you know, like, um, I can do a quick example. That's one I've always, I never got into, but well, like, I do I'll like use it because Fibs it is and, um, based and on price levels, which is nice. But here's what people don't get. Like, I'll use different indicators, but it's not my make or break. So like during mentor class, sometimes he would be like, Oh, what are those green lines? Like, I'm like, what are green lines? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? dude? like that? Those, what are those, are these green lines? Like, I'm like, these are pivot points. They're like, what do they do? Will they help? I'm like, take it easy, dude. You know, like, <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. It's on my chart. <laughs> it's like having so like RSI there. Like, oh yeah. I don't I don't know why I have RSI. Um, just don't, don't <laughs> ignore that. <laughs> So like, here's the truth, guys. Price action is a visual representation of buyers and sellers. So if you're going to look at these candles without any indicators, it is way easier for me to draw a line at three bucks and this descending triangle that we saw today on CODX. Um, now, can you use FIBS for retracement? Yes. The stock ended up bouncing right near... Um, 265, which was about the FIB level at 259. So indicators do work, guys. However, if you don't understand why you're using them and you can't read a chart, it's like trying to read a book and you don't know the alphabet. You're just, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. It's like so. you said uh, in the Slack group and the bullet points of what we're going to talk about. You're like, indicators are the sprinkles. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not the whole cake, but you know, little sprinkles on your cake, you know, makes a little, it might, it might help. Yeah. <laughs> a little dabble. <laughs> Some people don't, don't like, like sprinkles. Yeah. I could go without the sprinkles or at least just a very little amount, you know, maybe some like, right. like chocolate. 
put a little chocolate <laughs> chip like a little confidence there. booster you know yeah <laughs> but no uh, <clears throat> i think you know just the the basic message that we're trying to go across here guys is that you don't need to one you don't need a bunch of fucking indicators to be good at day trading because you're going to overcomplicate the decision making process of should i buy or sell here so less distraction is possible um that's how you're going to win by simplifying the decision making process two you don't need a big fucking fancy computer trading setup uh i used to have one i used to have a big six monitor array and i was like i want more <laughs> there's never <laughs> enough screens wasn't it eight screens at one point <laughs> i think it might have been eight screens at some point and one time you went eight screens swear yeah like i like i started out with one screen when i started day trading and then it built up to like eight and now i'm down to like two so i think yeah i think it's just part of the learning process people want that big monitor setup um sometimes maybe that helps people but i think a lot of time people want that because they think it looks cool and they think it makes them look fucking flashy and like they know what they're fucking doing I mean, I specifically remember my first day trading with a quad setup coming from a laptop with the external monitor. I definitely lost money. <laughs> I was, like, was going to say, way people, too much stuff. People need to. I was so wired in. I wanted the trade so bad because I was looking at a million more stocks at once. It was, it was Nothing not like funny. getting a new trading setup, though. Nothing wrong with some nice screens, but I mean. I don't know him personally, but I think Ratani mentioned like he he um, narrowed his station down from more monitors to less because too much would over, would make you you know oh my god what's this one doing? what's this one doing you know like yeah. over over stimulation if you can't trade two stocks at once why the fuck do you have six monitors that's the truth <laughs> I can that's look true. at eight stocks at once and be in a bunch but when I first started I could barely trade one to two. So why yeah. you monitors if you only trade in one stock? <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's just the same. Simplifying the process. The more monitors you have, the more bullshit you're going to be looking at at the same time to take away from the one stock, maybe that one opportunity that you need per day to actually become a profitable trader. So obviously sometimes you can find more opportunities potentially by looking at more things, but you have to find where the balance is. From if you're being excessive to the point where you're just right in the fucking money maker spot, you're like, this is all I need. This is a very simplified process here. I know what I'm looking at. I know what to look for, when and why, and I know how to make the decision of buy or sell based on these criterias as opposed to, wait, why do I have a fucking RSI, a couple of trend lines, 10 monitors over here with fucking other shit distracting me. You have to just identify is it distracting you or is it helping you make a better decision is really what it boils down to. Definitely. But, um, one more thing, um, that I want to toss in there for everyone. Fundamentals. Forgot about this. So I longed my first year only, and I never looked at a filing ever and still did fine. To some people, that's you didn't look at a, a what, what was did they make money? What was the PE, the cash flow? It doesn't mean anything, guys. These the shittier the company, the higher the stock goes. 
That's how it's worked lately. So might catch heat for this, but I validated that it works. Fundamentals will make you bias in the wrong way. And that you'll be so focused on the company doesn't make money. It's up 100%. It's definitely a short. It can't go up any higher, right? Meanwhile, all week we've seen stocks go up three, 400%. So the quality of the company doesn't mean shit, guys. All that matters is the chart. That's the beautiful thing about how we teach at Iconic. I know there's a lot of other communities that preach fundamentals and doing due diligence. Obviously, you want to have an idea about the story. But again, this is a great example. Today, Codex, the stock went from a dollar to 370, and it's a trash stock. So I'll still long trash. I'll do whatever makes me money, and that's the mentality everybody should have. I like longing trash. I think that's like the best. <laughs> The best. <laughs> the, only, but, the only thing I think we're uh, looking at um, <clears throat> cash flow is good with biotechs, you know, because you know if they're running out of cash, they can do an offering at any moment. But, but trying to time that offering, I see a lot of people try and do, and it's a stupid trade. Like they wait, yeah. they'd be like, and then, then comes the I told you so, like three or four days after the offering. Yeah. Uh, but but then we've seen offerings where the stock's gone up from it too. So yeah, it can yeah. go either way. Yeah, I think to kind of uh, simplify what Mike was saying there, also, this is something that I mentioned in the training, is that your analysis every, of every trade always starts and finishes with what the chart is doing. You can use fundamental analysis to look at different things to kind of get indication of other, you know, strong backbones to what your chart analysis could be. But when the chart's talking, it pays to listen is another thing that I used to say. I haven't said that in a while, but it's true. You should always be basing your decisions off what the chart is saying um, because that's what's speaking the truth right here and now, not fucking what your fantasy is about what it could do based on what's... And trying to predict, right? Yeah, trying to predict or trying to be attached, trying to be emotionally attached to a story that you think might happen or because you love this company or because you hate this company and think that it's trash and that it's going to fall and that it can't go up anymore, but it continues to go if you're short and you're fucked because you're emotionally attached to a story as opposed to what is the chart saying right now? And that's really what you need to be basing your decisions on. I used to use an indicator <clears throat> that I made up called the future fair value. I remember uh, that. <laughs> I remember being like, oh, this, is this is the secret. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is the secret. <laughs> I still get people finally, asking me about that to this day. I finally got to the good part, the future fair value. This is <laughs> what actually, I paid for. Yeah, it's, it actually uh, was a pretty good indicator pre- or like, yeah, before 2008, I was like, all right, if I could find a good chart that also had a good future fair value, which was basically just a forward, it was a stock that would be uh, undervalued in its industry based on its forward earnings, basically. So you would look at like, okay, what's the industry average PE of this stock? And now let's calculate what the, what the, forward earnings are for this stock and whatever that earnings like would that ratio be undervalued or how much higher if this stock was fairly valued in today's current industry for the PE ratio you could calculate the forward 
fair value based on the future earnings. And if the stock would be like at $2 and then based on its future earnings, if it was fairly valued in the industry, what would that be? So sometimes I would find a stock like at a dollar with a hot chart and the future fair value would be like $10. Like this stock to be fairly valued in its industry based on its future earnings would be at $10 per share. If it was fairly valued on the average industry price to earnings ratio. So that's basically what I use. I, I'm surprised I still remember that, that I, <laughs> the fucking calculation and what I was actually talking about. Cause it was so long ago. So <laughs> I, I haven't learned, I haven't looked at that in forever, like to see if this was even something that's still going on. I'm actually kind of curious, but I think so much has changed in the markets based on just, it's a fucking clouded market and it's a saturated market with a lot of fucking retail traders and day trading is a completely different game now. Like there's movements we see now that you wouldn't see back in the day. You used to be able to find an ascending triangle breakout. They'd be like, oh, it's a clean breakout. This is going to be a nice and steady breakout. We're going to buy it and it's going to just go right up from here. I'm going to swing it for like a week, 40%. Hmm. Zen. <laughs> <That was nothing>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So who's up? You may not know, I still get tons of messages about the FFE future for value um, to this day. Now, yes, because I believe in that you need industry forward PE, right? And I, think, Yahoo, I don't know. Finance, they took that down and it's hard to find that figure. Even on FinViz, I don't think has that. Yeah, I think the way that I was doing it before um, is no longer... Right. On, I was using Yahoo Finance at the time to look up the future, to calculate yes. the future fair value. And then it became, 2008 happened, shit hit the fan, everything fucking went chaotic. And I was like, okay, I don't give a fuck about what this company's future value is. Yeah. What I care about is what the hell right. is happening right now because Dow futures are up and down a thousand points in a day. And <laughs> whatever happening in the future doesn't matter. I need to focus on what's happening now. And that's when I had to learn how to day trade. Because before when I was using future fair value, I was just, 100% swing trader. If you don't know what swing trading is, that's holding overnight for a couple of days, a couple of weeks. It's like, I, that's why I said it was like a calm, oh, a breakout. Mm. My God. Yeah, I miss those days. <laughs> or I don't sleep. Give me a time <laughs> Just hold it for a while. Like a week later, mm, 50%. Nice. <laughs> uh, I, I got to witness the tail end of that environment. And, yeah. Uh, you know. This is like this is like 2005 to like 2008 market crash time. So and then a, yeah. and then there was a, the solid bounce for a couple of years, 2010. <clears throat> yeah, 2009 was kind of. Uh, I think it was, yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, yes, yeah, crazy. Um, I uh, mean, even look at the market recently, like the bounce that we had. Pull up the uh, Dow chart. How many people were trying to use their fucking fundamental analysis when the SPY dropped 20% in a fucking month? <laughs> That's when you just want to use the chart, guys. I mean, like, the chart told the story on the market. Fundamentals didn't tell you. This is what's the difference. Technicals tell you when and fundamentals tell you what. People try and use fundamentals to tell you when, and that is the wrong way to trade. So you can look at the spy chart. I mean, once shake, 260 broke, I don't care what the nasty. fucking PE of Apple was, <laughs> it's going to go down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, it, it also depends on, you know, what's your, I mean, obviously we're day traders, so we're thinking short term, but if you look at the approach of like Warren Buffett, okay, he doesn't, he doesn't care if a stocks go down in like, what do we see? Like a month, 20% correction in a month. He, his belief is that historically speaking in the long haul, if you look at a 10 year by 10 year basis, if your money's in stocks, you're going to make money. So to shut the fuck up and hold on, just watch, sit for the ride. Yeah. So, and be flexible with your, with your capital, which they're geniuses at obviously. Yeah. I mean, and then there's the flip side of, okay, what's going to happen short term. You look at like 2008, people lost their fucking asses. People got greedy. People panicked. People made the wrong decisions that are emotional. Um, people lost everything. Uh, you know, I was just getting, I, I wasn't a day trader yet. I was a swing trader. So I was in a brand new environment. I had no fucking clue what to do or <laughs> if my business and my trading career was over or what. There was about two months where, um, you know, I had just started my, my basically my educational part of the training in trading in what, April of 2008, August of 2008, I moved to San Diego, California. Next thing you know, uh, shit hits the fan. And wait, what? The stock market is totally screwed and everybody's losing. And the, I have not, I didn't really know what to think or do about it, but I was like, I certainly can't swing trade my way through this because I'm going to lose everything. And so then I started to learn to day trade because that's what the current market was doing. I had to adapt. And it was definitely like fucking really shitty. Like I went and got a bartending job at the time because um, I was still basically looking for a bartending job anyways. I was just moved from Boise, Idaho, where I was bartending as well, as well as running my business. Uh, but it was just hectic. But the thing was, is that also, I think I haven't read this book, but Tony Robbins has a book called Unbreakable or Unshakable or something. And I think what the main point of this book is, is that uh, you need to be prepared for things like this because these you know, if you're shaken by this and you're broken by this, then you're going to lose. But if you can figure out how to navigate through the turmoil, this is an opportunity because once the market bottoms, we fucking crushed it because everything was a penny stock. Everything was under $5, which is, that's what we were kind of specializing in at the time. And so all of a sudden there was like, after the dust settled, there was so much opportunities fitting the criteria for the patterns that we trade. So it was just like, uh, you know, being able to go through and survive that process, you know, for me personally, just to go through that was like a blessing because I think that's just something that I'm happy to experience, especially like early on in my career. Um, it was a blessing because when the dust settles, it's a huge opportunity. And I think that's something that need people need to know and they need to be prepared for and don't be fucking stupid or overzealous when shit might hit the fan. You don't know. Another thing, here's another thing. So, um, uh, I'm in Cape town, South Africa, the entire fucking mountain side was on fire the other day. And it was like crazy. And I was like, um, like I posted some things about it on Twitter. Like some people are like mad and like some people are like, Oh, this is so sad. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it is sad, but at the same time, 
I'm like, I don't find mother nature necessarily to be sad. There's been forest fires going and burning for millions of years. And it's just a lot of ecosystems in the forest require forest fires to reproduce and pollinate. So I don't think it's sad. What I think is sad is when, when people build their homes in fire prone areas and don't build the proper infrastructure to, to weather the storm. If it does happen, you look at like Malibu in California, obviously that's fucking a disaster and very sad to see people lose their homes. But if you know you're building your house in a fucking tornado zone or a tsunami zone or a fire zone and you're not prepared for that, is that stupid? Or I don't know. This is something that I started thinking about. The, um, uh, the guy from 300, his house went viral. He had a, he showed a video of him walking through his house. It was one of the famous videos coming out of that. Did you see that one? I think I guy. saw it was Gerard Butler, right? I saw him yes. like doing something. I mean, his house was literally in the woods, like surrounded by trees. Like I didn't even, it looked like he was in, like the house was in Vermont or something. Like I didn't know that like Malibu was like that. I picture beaches and, and uh, dunes and all that. I didn't know there was so much intense forest and the guy built his house like, in the middle of the forest like house trees everywhere yeah and then it, so but the thing was like what was i thought was cool was so we went to this was like midnight the fucking hillside is still completely on fire i look out my bathroom window here in cape town and fucking i see a fucking massive fire burning probably like a half mile away like in our backyard i'm like fuck maybe we should go like look at this like do we have to like evacuate soon like or what's like gonna happen here so me and norbert got in our car and we went and drove up there and there's a bunch of people on the streets like just looking at the fires burning like oh shit and these are like this is like fucking ridiculously retarded rich people mansions like houses like here like malibu type houses here in cape town that are up on the top oh, hill side. it was uh, there's houses up there too yeah so there's like a there's a line of houses that are on the top of the hill all fucking massive really really fucking millions of dollars worth of houses and so we go up there and we see the fire like burning through the forest like behind where the the trees are and we walk through the forest and like dude let's just keep going up like there i think there's people up there like watching and so we literally walked like up to the fucking edge of the fire where it's happening but uh they have already built a what they call a fire line in the wildland forest fire terms where they build a fire line so that fires can't technically cross it. And that's what they do. I used to be a, a wildland forest fighter. I got certified and trained when I was like 20. Um, but you build a fire line where the fire can't technically cross, where you get rid of all the brush where it's basically just dirt. And they already have the infrastructure here in Cape town where the fire can't go through this technically. I mean, something might happen, but they built an infrastructure because they know they're in a fire prone hot place so that these houses don't get burnt down. So I thought that was like, that's pretty fucking smart. Like, why don't people do that in like fucking tsunami zones or tornado zones or fucking fire prone zones? Like, and that's the same thing thinking about the market. If the market crashes, like, do you have a game plan? Like, are you fucking ready to weather the storm? Do you have the infrastructure so that you can survive this and maybe there's an opportunity even like people are saying oh man it's so sad like why aren't you fucking doing anything like well i'm sitting at the edge of the fire line where it's already pre-built set up for this like the stupid thing for me to do would be to go step in this fire and try to fucking <laughs> put it out before it goes so they, you're a firefighter i mean 
You kind of look like one a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing is I have no idea um, if, this, if this is how they operate in South Africa, but in the U.S., a lot of the wildland forest fighter uh, services are all privatized. They're private companies, paid government contracted by the U.S. government. So people are always like, oh, these fucking heroes, and I'm not taking anything away from firefighters. They're courageous, brave motherfuckers that are risking their life. But on the other hand, the day before that fire even started, they were praying for it to start because that means government contracts and money in their pockets and that's how they get paid. So it's like, all right, are you a hero or are you just a for-profit person that was praying for this fire to start because that's how you get paid? So I don't know. I just went off on a total tangent there. <laughs> <laughs> my, my cousin uh, was one of those firefighters, says those guys are the craziest people he's ever been around in his life. Like psychos, like, like just nuts, like, like death wish type people, you know? Like, <laughs> and he had to get out of there. It was just a bad influence. Yeah. Those forest but, firefighters are nuts. Anyways, I digress. But you have to be nuts to do that for a living. Yeah. I mean, like when I went through the training, it was like a fucking boot camp. They were weeding out the week. It was like a fucking physical, we had like fucking physical tests and like we were playing these fucking like games and shit. That was like super competitive. Like you're out and a bunch of people were quit. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. But, but anyways, guys, um, that was my thoughts right. on, on uh, fires. Protect, I think <laughs> the way to twist that. Is your house protected from <laughs> disasters, guys? How you twist that, guys, is... Next time you're, there's a forest fire in your account, simplify the process. Don't try and make it more sophisticated. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't try to, like, fucking, you know, just fucking stop, drop, and roll, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a really, that's a good point. You would, I, I think that's a, you hit something there, Mike. I think when people, when things do go wrong, they probably complicate it more. You, like, you, what indicator am I not looking at? More. What am I not seeing or who am I not following on Twitter to help me when they should be subtracting that shit? It's a good point. Yeah. I think really like it to emphasize on that, why I failed at trading for three years was because I kept thinking that my system was flawed and like, what, why am I not drawing the fucking trend lines? Right. Or like, what am I doing wrong here? When the reality of was it was that I wasn't, working on the mental process of the game and being able to have the emotional discipline to click buy and sell when you need to. Cause you can have all these indicators telling you to do certain things or price action being like, this might be a good time to buy or good time to sell based on what you are theorizing through technical analysis. But unless you have the mental capacity to click buy or sell when those indicators or when that price action is telling you things, then you're fucked. And that's what I wasn't working on. I was working on, what's wrong with my system? What's wrong with my charts? What's wrong with my indicators? And it wasn't until I realized that I have, my system was fine. My system was simplified. It worked. I just needed to work on the mental aspect of the game, which is the majority of the game at the end of the day anyways. So, yeah. but uh, anyways, guys, I think that's uh we were talking about maybe this only being like a seven minute podcast when we started, but I think we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went on for a little bit longer than expected, but I think we dropped some good nuggets in there. Um, and uh, I think that's about a wrap, guys. But anyways, guys, if you want to get your feet wet in what we actually do as day traders, we do have a free masterclass that's going to 
kind of break down what we do and give you a little bit more information on how we trade, uh, what we do, what our philosophies are. And that's basically going to, you know, lead down to what we actually do is we have a 90 day mentorship course. So if you want to learn about what our mentorship course is, we have a free masterclass for you to check out. It's iknktraders.com backslash webinar, or there'll be a link below if you're watching on YouTube or on the podcast. But anyways, guys, that is a wrap. And until next time, uh, if you could drop us a comment and a like, tell us what you thought about it. If you you know want to share this with a buddy, if you got a little piece of uh, value out of this, or if there's something that we uh, that you would like us to talk about in the next episode. You know, we're always looking for ideas. You know, we don't want to just make up a bunch of shit like that. Well, this is probably what they want to know about. You know, we want to hear about what you want to know about so that yeah. we can make the best podcasts uh, and videos for you guys. But anyways, that's a wrap. Big Mike, Robert, thanks for meeting up, bros. Let's do yeah. this again uh, very soon. And uh, have a good evening, everybody. Later. See you. Later. Bye.